בשם השם נעשה ונצליח, שיעור תורה, שנה טובה, שנה מתוקה, גמר חתימה טובה to everyone. בעזרת השם, it's a, uh, another judgment day has passed, and the judgment already began. Uh, the shiur will uh, be to אילוי נשמת מרים בת דבורה, שם מנחם, young girl, that was actually a neighbor of ours in a house before we moved recently. Um, 23 years old, nice young kid, only met her once or twice. Shem um, uh, uh she died. Uh, I think it was a uh, day after Rosh uh, Hashanah. And uh, we don't know why Hashem does what He does. But when you say, Baruch Dayana Emet, Blessed is the righteous judge. In essence, you are admitting that you have no idea what's going on, but whatever he's doing, he's righteous. As difficult as it is to say, as difficult as it is to face, as difficult as it is to deal with in general, uh, whether it be a close uh, you know, family relative or uh, someone that's distant, doesn't really make a difference. It always hurts. Last year... Uh, at the same time, I uh, told you guys that my cousin, on the uh, second day of Rosh Hashanah, fell off of a scooter, Shem um, and um, hurt his head, didn't see, seem like an innocent fall. Uh, he went to the hospital, also 25, 26 years old kid, they said everything's okay. He went home, went to sleep, and never woke up. Um, it seems like... Uh, Miriam, Alea Shalom, is uh, in a uh, similar situation. Doesn't make sense to us. Huh? Avi Orman was my neighbor. Oh, so it's sad, it's painful, it never makes sense. Why and why and why and why and why? We can ask why from here until next year. But the reality is that Hashem does what He does because He's the righteous judge. There's a reason for it. There's a good out of it. There's a benefit to it. Um, of course, the uh, parents that are dealing with it can't, I highly doubt anyone can see anything good in a, in a time of fire like this, similar to, uh, or Lavdi, when I was going to my own version of hell. Uh, you know, there was uh, impossible for me to see any good in the pain that I was dealing with. Um, but at the same token, if you knew that someone, one of these righteous people that dies early, is now sitting in Gan Eden, uh, then, uh, and they're enjoying themselves for eternity, would you really still be upset? They're in Gan Eden. If you really love them, and you know, right now for sure they're in Gan Eden. Would you still be upset? If you're upset, you're just selfish. Because they're in Gan Eden. They're a much better place than us. The problem is when someone is didn't necessarily live a life that's completely righteous. Wasn't keeping mitzvot. Wasn't keeping Shabbat. Wasn't keeping this. Wasn't keeping that. And you're not really sure if they're in Gan Eden or the other one. Uh, so then, it's the onus is on us to do two major things. 
Number one, to do as much as we possibly can to improve the level of their neshama. Do shurim in their name, give tzedakah in their name, learn Torah in their name, get other people to do as much, as many mitzvot as possible and share the benefit. They still get, you do, let's say for example, if you learn Torah, if you learn Torah just for yourself, you get X amount of mitzvot. Get, let's say, 100,000 mitzvot. If you learn and you say, this is also ilui nishmat, someone that's important to you, you still get 100,000 mitzvot. Nothing changes. Why? Because mitzvot are like fire. If you take fire from one candle to the other candle, the first candle that you took the fire from stays the same. It doesn't lower the fire. So in essence, what's it to you? Just say it. Whether it's for another person, another 500 people, whatever it is. So the first thing we need to do when someone passes is to do as much as possible to improve their neshama, specifically during the first year. And the reason why is because during the first year is when they're being judged. That's the trial. The second thing is, is that we're all responsible to do all the time, but when someone passes, especially someone so young passes, uh, it's a very, very important reminder to all of us is that we, w- we don't want other people to experience the same thing. And chas v'shalom, we don't want people to leave this world without knowing what the purpose of life is. There are many people that leave the world, like my cousin, he didn't know too much about Hashem, he didn't know too much about Shabbat, he didn't know much about holidays, he didn't know too much about Yom Kippur, didn't know much about anything. And the reason why, he wasn't taught anything, and anything that he was taught apparently uh, wasn't uh, on the priority list for whoever's fault it is, is irrelevant. But he's already dealing with his own cheshbon. There's not much we can do, other than what I just said. What we can do a lot about is make sure we improve the situation for everyone else, including ourselves. Dig deep down inside and ask yourself, if you were God, if you were God and you gave a book of laws to your people 3,300 years ago, not last year, not two years ago, not five years ago, 3,000 years ago, so they had time to read it. By now, you should know it by heart. 3,000 years, by now you should know it. You gave them a book of instructions 3,300 years ago, and you said, listen, if you do this, you get bacha. You get the blessing. You don't do it, you get a curse, get punished. Lose years out of your life, and all types of other things that are awful to even think about, let alone experience. You do it, good. You don't do it, there's a consequence. So if you were God and you gave him the book 3,300 years ago, would you let you live? Would you let the human version of you, your friend, your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your rabbi, Would you let them live based on this law, this book you have for 3,000 years? Would you let them live? Because according to the law, 
someone makes certain sins, says no, karet, dead. Death penalty. How many death penalties do we uh, get forgiven for on a daily basis? Forget on a yearly basis. Would you let you live? It's a good question. So we say, El Rachum Bechanun, we say Hashem is merciful. It means Hashem keeps giving us more and more chances. Hashem gives us more and more time. He doesn't forget the sin. The sin goes into a sin bank account. Anyone that says that Hashem just lets go of sins gets a special punishment in Shemaim when the time comes. That's what it says in the Gemara. Someone that says Hashem just lets go of sins, like, ah, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. I like him. He's a funny guy. She's a really nice girl. She's a really nice this. He's a really... Anyone says such a thing gets an extra punishment on top of the sin. Why? Because you're making a joke of the judgment. So now, we have a situation. We have a book. Hashem says you have to follow this book. You have to follow all of it. Shabbat, kosher, tarat mishpacha, modesty, sukkah, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, all these things, a lot of mitzvot, many, many things that are still relevant today. More than half. Sometimes you're not going to follow all of them. Sometimes you're not going to know all of them. Sometimes you're going to mess up here and there. So Hashem gives you more time. More time to do tshuva, more time to learn. But sometimes Hashem says, you know what, I give this guy another 3,000 years and nothing's going to change. If anything, it's going to get worse. And he does chesed for the person and he takes away early. Why? He says, listen, right now, based on the way you're going, you're just making matters worse for your neshama. Let me take it back as it is with the, enough damage that you've caused and try to figure out another plan, another the Gilgul, another reincarnation, some other tikkun, something. It's tough to deal with. The reality is, is that all of us have to think about this right now. If you were God, would you give you another chance, another year? In Shulchan Aruch, it says that if you haven't seen your friend for a year, you haven't seen him for a year, when you see him again, you have to say, Mechiametim. Resurrect of the dead. You have to do a blessing. Thank you, Hashem, for resurrecting the dead. Now, you know, he went to Tahiti for a year. Guy's rich, got a bunch of money. He just made a bunch of money last year in the stock market. He went to vacation to Tahiti. He went to Tahiti. He went to this one. He went to that one. He went on vac- you know where he was. He put it on Facebook. He put it on f- Everybody knows where he went. But you didn't see him in person for a year. But you know he was okay the whole time. He was partying. You see him after a year in person, you have to say, Machiametim. Blessing, resurrecting of the dead. Someone that died a clinical death and comes back to life, what do you have to say? Birkata Gomel. Thank you, Hashem, for saving his life. Not Machiametim. But he died. It's okay. But the guy you didn't see for a year, Machiametim. 
Why? Shulchan Aruch explains, and Chachamim explain something critical. He says, if you haven't seen him for a year, that must mean that Rosh Hashanah passed. At least one Rosh Hashanah has passed. And the fact that he's still alive is against nature. Why? He must have done at least one sin that Hashem should have killed him. Meaning that the fact that Hashem left him to live another year, doesn't matter, he could be a rabbi, he could be a speaker, he could be rasha, he could be... It doesn't make a difference. He said, based on nature and how the law is, he shouldn't have survived. The fact that a year passed and he's still here, shh, So the reality is, it's a very serious time. Judgment is as clear as day. Anyone that's still sleeping still thinks that they can continue the, living their life without a care in the world about who God is and what He wants. Hashem is waking them up one way or another. He's going to either wake you up from lectures or He's going to wake you up from CDs or He's going to wake you up through different places on the internet or he's going to wake you up through seminars or he's going to wake you up through hurricanes natural disasters one after another earthquakes off the charts strange places volcano eruptions wars atomic bomb uh, threats financial crisis in the making Different strange things. It's happening. Judgment's here. Mashiach, no Mashiach. It's happening. Some people say, no, Mashiach, there's another hundred years, another this, another that. Everybody thinks they're a prophet now. Everyone is putting a time frame. When the Mashiach is going to come, it's going to come next week, it's going to come next year, it's going to come September 23rd, some people say. It's going to come in 2018 because the number eight incidentally, completes a bunch of different numbers that make sense. So he comes to 5778. Oh, he's going to come because some rabbi said this. Oh, he said because some Christians said that. Everyone's putting a time when Mashiach is going to come. doesn't make a difference when Mashiach is going to come. First and foremost, you should expect him every day. It's one of the 13 principles of faith. It doesn't make a difference. It's next year, next month, five years, ten years, twenty years. It makes no difference. You're supposed to be ready every day. To be ready takes a lot of time. Second of all, your own personalized Mashiach can arrive at any moment. Like it did my cousin. Like it did Miriam. Judgment Day is Mashiach. Mashiach is not like everybody thinks, Goel, and that's it. The Goel comes, the Mashiach comes, everybody's okay. Everybody's always telling me, oh, I can't wait for the Mashiach to come. I ask him, why? What makes you feel so confident you're going to be okay? What makes you feel so confident that if Mashiach came, you're going to be okay? What, you're that much of a tzaddik? You're that much of a tzaddikit? You're following the entire everything? Everything, you're perfect? Mashiach shows up, says he could smell your Yirat Shamayim. Do you even know what Yirat Shamayim is? 
if you don't, he's going to smell nothing, which means he's going to follow the, the rest of the pasuk. What's the rest of the pasuk? He destroys them. No yirat shemaim leads to destruction. With what? With words. Why are you so sure about Mashiach coming? Going to be okay? Everybody's so excited about Mashiach. But the rest of the pasuk says, The Goel, the Mashiach, is coming for what? To save those that did tshuva. He did tshuva? What kind of tshuva did you do? Well, you started keeping Shabbat, you slept the whole time, but the rest of the week you're like a goy. Or you did mamash tshuva, you learned to lie every day. You give tzedakah, you're working on your midot. What kind of tshuva did you do? So now, Hashem knows we have a Yetzirah. He gave it to us. He knows we're going to make sins. He knows. He gave us the opportunities. He knows that if all of judgment would have to be paid for on one day, nobody would survive. No one. This is the argument, by the way, of the idol worshippers, Christians, where they say, see, no one's going to survive judgment anyway, so some guy died 2,000 years ago, and everyone's okay to be a murderer now. The stupidity of men will lead him to sin against God, create new laws, create some religion, some guy died, therefore I could be a murderer, therefore I could do whatever I want, therefore... Who said that? And the rest of the Pasuk says, and then they get mad at God for punishing them. You notice where, who's getting hurt most by these hurricanes, earthquakes, volcano eruptions. Baruch Hashem, it's not Am Yisrael. Of course, we have to wake up ourselves, but nonetheless, you're seeing the places of idolatry are getting the biggest wake-up call first. Why? They created a new God. They call him Jesus. They call him Yeshua. They call him Yeshu. They call him Buddha. They call him whatever you want to call him. It's not God. It's not the God of Israel. And the God of Israel says in Parashat Azinu, there is no other God. Just me. It says in chapter 32, verse 18, it says, You ignored the rock who gave birth to you and forgot God who brought, who brought you forth. He gave you messages, sent you text messages, sent you emails, sent you letters in the mail even. Nothing. Ignored him. Forgot he's the one that brought you to the world. He says... After a while, Hashem gets upset. He gets upset. It's not like when I get upset, I just raise my voice a little bit. Big deal. He says, in chapter 32, verse 21, just a few verses later, they provoked me with a non-God. They angered me with their vanities. So shall I provoke them with a non-people. With a vile nation shall I anger them. Translation, they provoked me with a non-God, 
they made something that's nothing into a god made me very very angry even more so they replaced me with their vanities what's their vanities money sex all the things that people go after instead of going to shul torah where they go they watch basketball they watch football they watch the stock market they do all the things everything except shul torah so he says okay so they replaced me with nothing so i'm going to provoke them with a non-people what's a non-people what's a non-people every people has you know you go to africa you have many many countries inside africa each one has their own name their own cultures their own this their own that go to america you have americans but even within america you have different cultures within america you go to england you go to different places what do you mean a non-people every people is a people no no no. he says no no i'm going to provoke you with a non-people what's a non-people a people without a flag isis isis they don't represent saudi arabia or iran or kuwait or iraq they represent nothing they represent death punishment so shem tries to send us wake up so now he gives us an opportunity he says if i told you you have to pay the bill in one day you're not going to be able to afford it too much for you so i give you rosh hashanah i give you rosh hashanah as judgment day judgment day both for the goyim and the jews everyone gets judgment day the problem is most people think that rosh hashanah is a holiday to just eat a bunch of food sweet food with sugar on it i eat some pomegranate some uh, fish head if you're moroccan or one of the middle eastern countries a lamb head nice food food and more food you go to Beknesset a few times but all you can think about is what the food you're about to eat again you don't stop eating you see anybody shaking in the Beknesset anybody crying the drashot that they give in Bet Knesset, very cheerful. Very cheerful. Everybody's like, oh, Baruch Hashem. Everybody's like very happy. Yeah, may Hashem bless you this year. This and that. Oh, hugs and kisses. The guys that never show up the whole year to Bet Knesset, they show up too. Why? Because who doesn't want more blessings? No one's shaking. Shem says, I know, when I created the world, I knew you're not going to get it. I knew you're not going to get it. Only a few of you are going to get it, that it's judgment day. So, I'm going to have to give you an appeal. You know, when you get a bad judgment, you have an opportunity to fight again, to appeal the, the case. Appeal the case. Try again. Do over. Take it to a higher court. Hashem says, you have an appeal, it's called Yom Kippur. You have 10 days to prepare. 10 days. 10 days to prepare. 
So now what do you do during those 10 days? Some people focus on going back to work, make a little extra money so you can afford the next holiday, so you buy more food. Some people completely ignore the fact that there's 10 days of anything. Some people think that preparation for Yom Kippur is to get chickens. Get chicken, put it on top of your head. It's an old minag. You say, you're my sins. You're going to you know, be a... Uh, a, rep- a repentance for my sins. Take a chicken. You slaughter the chicken. You put it over the head and then you slaughter the chicken. And they give the chicken to poor people. Rav Nisimi again, Alava Shalom, said, you know, it's very, it's ridiculous that people do this. He heard it from Israv and who heard it from Israv. It's ridiculous that people do such a thing. At least if you're going to do something that's a kapata vonot, that's going to be, uh, in essence, a repentance for your sins, it should be equal. It should be equal. It should be at least a cow. Your sins are the size of a cow, not a chicken. Cow, maybe. Cow, two cows, some of us, five, six cows, a whole slew of cows. Chicken? If, you're, if your sins are only chicken, you don't have to worry about it. Don't do nothing. So in reality, it's better than killing a chicken and giving it to some poor person. It's better to give money. The value of a meal. Anywhere from $18, $26 is debatable. The value of a meal for each person in the household. The reason why is because, number one, the whole being ag of the chicken, even though some people still follow it, it's very strange for many people that in the modern world today. But still, it's an old minag. You want to do it, do it, enjoy it. But you'll get much more benefit out of actually giving tzedakah. The chicken full of your sins, it's not re- a really nice thing to give all those sins to some poor person. They already have enough problems in their life. Now you give them a chicken full of your sins, take their sins. Why are you giving somebody your sins? Why don't you eat your sins? Why don't you eat the chicken? Or you're going to throw it out, then it's baltashchit. Then you're, you know, wasting. So it's not a, uh, ideal. It's better to give tzedakah. It's better to give 18 to $26 per person. Uh, and obviously there's levels of tzedakah. You can give it either to a homeless person that's, a, you know, ideally a Jew, or a person that's a, uh, learns Torah, or for zikwe rabim, to help people do tshuva. Something for the purpose of Torah is ideal. But nonetheless, each person should do it before Yom Kippur. The sooner the better, simply because you don't want to wait till the last minute, especially since this year, Yom Kippur is, before, is uh, on Shabbat. So this is a, uh, the whole chicken aspect of it. Again, it's, a, uh, it's an old minag. Some of the sages are very, very heavy against it. They think it's, uh, Mamash, you should not do it at all. You should give tzedakah and that's it. Some still say you could do it as a min uh, agavotenu, but uh, again, let's say in today's world, there's a lot of people that uh, use uh, the slaughtering of chickens for no reason, the wasting of chickens for no reason, where you have Hamas communities slaughtering chickens and just throwing them to the garbage. They use this as an opportunity to for Hilul Hashem. 
They take pictures of all these chickens. It's all dirty and disgusting and so on. Take pictures. Look at this community, how they're wasting so much. There are people starving in different places around the country or the world. How could they waste so much? So, in my opinion, you shouldn't do the chicken, but again, it's just my opinion. You do what you want. So, the ones that are preparing for Yom Kippur with a chicken said that in reality you should do cheshbon nefesh and realize that most likely you should have a cow or two or three or four cows. That's how much sins we all have. But even more so than that, we have to ask ourselves the questions. What does Hashem really want? Does He really want a chicken from us? Or a cow? Or two cows? Or five cows? Or money? Is that really what He wants? Is that what Hashem wants? Rabbi Akadosh, Rabbi Udanasi, the entire generation when he lived, agreed that Rabbi was very rich from the family of Rabban Gamliel in the lineage of David Amelech. Everyone agreed he was so holy that he never looked, never looked below his belt. Forget waste seed, he never looked below his belt. That's why they called him Rabbi Kadosh. Everyone agreed he was such a chacham, such a tzaddik, such a straight person, such a holy person. They said, if Mashiach came right now, it would be Rabbi. It will be him, everyone, a whole generation. We're not talking about one, two, three, four, four students that like him. This is, by the way, one of the requirements of the Mashiach. All of the G'dolei Adon need to agree he's the Mashiach. This is one of the best things to disprove this whole stupidity called Christianity or Messianic Judaism or Catholicism or whatever other names they have for this thing. It's all the same thing. Of why their J.C. Penny can never be the Mashiach. No one agreed he's the Mashiach. No one, not even his own students. The people that wrote about him didn't know him. It's 300 years later, or at best, 70 years later. At his time when he was alive, everyone hated him. So forget about G'dolei Ador agreeing that he's the Mashiach. Nobody agreed to nothing. They killed him because he was a Rasha. But in the days of, of Rabbi, they said if the Mashiach came, it would be him. This, by the way, is also a case against anyone else that cla- that's uh, claimed to be a Mashiach, whether it be the Lubavitcher Rabbi, which some people from Chabad say he's the Mashiach, even though he already died, or anyone else, that they some other rabbi that the people say is the Mashiach, the people don't decide. The regular people don't decide who's the Mashiach. It's the Gdolei Ador have to agree. Why? Because they see signs and so on. There's a certain things that have to happen. But nonetheless, everyone said, Mashiach comes, Hashem's going to choose Rebbe. Why? He's the perfect person. But Rebbe, one day, Gemara says, he went to the butcher, a big mansion, multi-millionaire, went to the butcher, and one of the calves ran away from the butcher. He was about to slaughter him for the Chag. 
Ran away. Little calf ran away. Where did he run to? He ran to Rebbe. And he hid under his, like he had a gown. Like a, oh, not a gown, a, uh, like a robe type of thing. One of these things that kings wear or wealthy people of that day wear. And the little calf hid under the robe. Like, protect me from this butcher. What's the halacha? The law says, the calf, what does he come to the world for? For some kosher Jew to slaughter him. So, in a kosher way, feed him to other people before, after they do a blessing. And that's his tikkun. And the soul of that calf gets raised to whatever it's supposed to get. That, that's his tikkun. That's his purpose in life. That's the halakha. That's his purpose. So Rabbi looks at this calf that's hiding under his robe and he says, go back. Go back to the butcher because for this is the reason why you were created. That's the halakha. Rabbi was right. But in Shamaim, they said, you were right. You're right. But you're wrong at the same time. You're right. That's the halakha. That's why the calf was created. But in reality, at your level, you didn't show enough mercy to this animal. We're not talking about a person, Talmud Chacham, Rabbi, nothing. We're talking about a calf, a little cow. So said, you didn't show enough mercy. And for the next 13 years, 13 years, they gave Rebbe, in Shemaim, they decided Rebbe is going to have major, major problems when he goes to the bathroom. To such an extent that he would tell, he had many, many horses, and he would tell the guy that's in charge of the people that are in charge of the horses when to feed them, a specific time, when the time, when he's going to the bathroom. Why? Because when he went to the bathroom, he would scream such loud screams from pain. He didn't want to make the people upset. He'd feed the horses at this specific time, because the horses, when they eat, they make a lot of noise. So hopefully their noise is going to override my noise. So no one is sorry and upset from hearing their rabbi upset and in pain. But the Gemara says, despite feeding all these hundreds of horses, Rebbe's screams every time he went to the bathroom, was they were able to hear it in the middle of the ocean. Such was the pain of Rebbe. I can tell you from experience, Going to the bathroom peacefully, without any screams, without any yells, anyone that experiences the Bezat Hashem, all of you, you should thank God 500 times every day, just for that. Just for that. Every day you should take 500 times. I know I gave you guys the posters, the Shayatzar. You should read that blessing extra, just, just, just to thank Hashem, because you didn't, just you didn't scream once. Forget the whole time. You didn't scream once. It's pain... You guys want to show about Gehenom all the time. It's pain. Where Gehenom, you're like, you know what? It's better. It's an upgrade. Rebbe, 13 years he's suffering. 13 years he's suffering. Screaming his lungs out. Now let me ask you guys a question. Of me again, I heard this Rashaf from him several times. He asked a wonderful question. 
Rebbe was holy. Not just holy. Everyone says this is the Mashiach. Mashiach. He wrote the Mishnah. Put together the Mishnah. The whole oral Torah that we have today is based on him. He put it together. Holy. Tzaddik. Nothing missing. Tfilin. Every day. Shachrit, Mincha, Arvit, Sukkot, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. Wait, did he do Slichot? Of course he did Slichot. Five o'clock in the morning. Slichot he did. Rosh Hashanah, judgment that he had every year like us. Yom Kippur he did. Why, he didn't say I'm sorry? He didn't do Tshuva? What happened? Why did he keep coming back every day for 13 years? What happened? You say, I'm sorry. Okay, and you go back. What happened? Why is the suffering continue? Why he didn't do, he didn't say, I'm sorry. What happened? Tzaddik. Mashiach. No forgiveness. 13 years. Why? It's not about saying, I'm sorry. It's not about chickens. It's about changing your midot. And only 13 years later did Rebbe actually change that midah where he realized his real mistake. Say chatanu avinu pashanu is nothing when you don't know what you're saying chatanu avinu pashanu for. Just saying it blindly, chatanu avinu pashanu. But in the meantime, you're looking at your phone. Stock market's up today. Good, guys. You just said, Chatanu Avinu Pashanu. You said, I sinned against God, I didn't know. I sinned against God, I didn't know. I sinned against God on purpose. That's what you said, Chatanu Avinu Pashanu. That's what you're saying. Just the last one should scare you to death. I sinned on, to Hashem on purpose to make him mad. But wait, did they look at the phone? Or they're talking Bekneset. You know, it's not a Bekneset if people don't talk in there. If you go and everyone's praying in a Bekneset, it's not a Bekneset, it's uh, something special. Better be Kedash, maybe. Beknesset, today, you can't walk into a Beknesset without everybody talking. But not talking tefillah. Other things. Baseball, football, stock market. Sometimes daily mood. But there's a time to pray, there's a time to learn. Everybody's learning. You learn. Everybody's praying. Pray. Rebbe knew this. What do you think? He talked to Beknesset? He didn't talk to Beknesset. But Hashem didn't forgive. 13 years he's given him pain. Why? Because only 13 years later did he realize the real mistake. Yes, he did chatanu avinu pashanu. Yes, he did tshuva and he did and that and everything. But in reality, only changed 13 years later. When he saw one of the cleaning people in his mansion, she was trying to sweep off some say it's a uh, little uh, mice. Others say it was kittens. Either way, little animals. She was sweeping them off with the broom. He said, hey, Rachmanut, mercy. You know, they're living beings. You can't just hit them like that. And Shemaya said, ah, okay. Now you have mercy on animals? That's even if it's not a sheep or a cow or anything. Little mouse, little kitten. You have mercy. You did chuba. Chatanu avinu pashanu means nothing 
if he didn't change. If he didn't change, stay home. If you're continuing to talk in Beknesset, while everyone's praying, stay home. If you're still continuing to be a Mechalel Shabbat, Yom Kippur is not going to help you. There's actually a Mishnah rin for people like that. That someone that says, I'll make a sin, but then I'll do tshuva. I'll make a sin, do tshuva. But Yom Kippur is going to help me. He says, no, no, no. Not only is not going to help you, not only is Yom Kippur not going to help you, it's not going to help you, but if you continue acting like this, make a joke of the system, Hashem is going to make sure you're not going to live long enough to do tshuva. Such is such a joke you're making of the system. So Yom Kippur, it's a time to appeal. It's a time to say, Hashem, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change. Now, that was the introduction. Give me a couple of questions and then I'll go over the Mishnah. Go. It's good, you guys are shocked. It means you're, there's still some life in you. When you do, when you do a vidui, why do you hit yourself? Okay. It's in essence, you're, you're hitting your heart. It's, a minag. it's not, a, not an obligation, but actually you're supposed to hit yourself in the middle, not over on the left. That's where your heart really is. It's like a, uh, an emotional uh, reaction to a, a physical reaction to an emotional uh, feeling. You're supposed to really be in pain when you know that you sinned against the Creator. So you're inflicting some pain. Sometimes we need some physical pain to help us get to emotional pain. Next. I think you raised your hand before. What'd you ask? You asked something? No? You guys? You have five questions? Oh, Shrek. She came prepared. Go ahead. Go ask whatever you want. We'll uh, try to do our best to uh, ask Hashem to give us have mercy on us and give us the answers. Okay. So my question was when you were talking about um, that, that girl who Question? Got it. Next question. Got it. Next question. Go. I got the. I got the. I got the rest of the question. How? What's? They already lived the whole life. Twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred years. What can we possibly do in a year, or a month, or? Right. Right. No. I got the question. I got you. Got you.
כן. They're living a long time. Right, they won't. They won't improve. But why? 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 Rashaim living long time. I'm saying that's you're asking. You're asking why would a Rasha live such a long time? Okay, Rashaim long life. Okay, next question. Right. Skin up. Yeah. Yeah. Should we be scared for her? Okay. Those are okay. Next. If anybody else has questions, anybody else have questions? Oh, you got. No Shabbat. Skin. Okay. For not going to for not going to a uh, funeral. Yeah. Not going to a funeral of a non-Shemel Shabbat. Yeah. Oh no. No Shabbat funeral. Okay. Next. Okay. Appeal. Yeah. Uh, it's the one of the special gifts that Ami Israel got. The, uh, from, to my knowledge, the judgment day that the, uh, that the, um, world got is on, uh, Rosh Hashanah, and, um, the appeal is only an opportunity, only a special present that Am Yisrael got, similar to Shabbat. Shabbat was a special present that only Am Yisrael got, even though some people with a beard could tell you that, uh, Shabbat is for everyone, it's not. Hashem specifically says, this covenant is between me and you. Who's you? He's talking to Am Yisrael. He's not talking to you, the Americans, you, the uh, Filipinos, you, the uh, Spaniards. No, he's talking to you, Am Yisrael. So uh, even though some people say otherwise, there's a few rabbis or so-called rabbis that say otherwise, this is just a way to make money from Gleen. You make them feel good about themselves. Tell them, hey, you can do everything that you want without converting. Just pick whatever mitzvot you want and do it. So what are they going to do? It's 
said, go, I can do whatever I want. So what are they going to do? They're going to give this guy donations. So that's that's what happens when people have no yelat shamayim. But back to the question, uh, the uh, appeal process, to my knowledge, is only available to Am Yisrael. I mean, technically, a person can do tshuva every day. They don't necessarily have to wait for Yom Kippur or Rosh Shana. They can do tshuva every single day. Uh, it's just that this is a specific day that Hashem is more receptive and more forgiving than other days during the year. Oh, here we go. I found you your pasuk. Um, let me scan in. Okay. I got you a pasuk for your friend that does a lot of chesed. I want to give you sources for what I say so you don't think it's my opinion. Okay, next. Go. I'll answer all the questions that uh, during the thing. So it's a. Um, I want to give other people opportunity to ask because all of a sudden you woke them up. You look, uh, they were sleeping. They saw you asking a few questions. They got jealous. So now everybody's gonna have questions. So to give us some opportunity to ask some questions, and we'll go back to you again. You love you. You have to come every week now. You have to come every week because these guys are sleeping half the time. So you ask some questions. They're gonna wake up. No. Dead for a long time. What can you do for the dead people? Okay, next. I heard, sorry, too fast. You got your mind. Keep it. Keeper? Yeah. Why we wear keeper? It's a custom. Yes, it is a custom to show to show fear of Hashem. Why is that a strong enough reason? What What do you want it to be? Oh, so that's a question. That's a different question. Why does the keeper show you your mind? Okay. Why is the keeper show you your mind? Okay. Next. More, more fake rabbis? For sure. That's an easy question. The rest of my needs to have Bishmaya. If there's going to be more fake rabbis, yes. There will be more. Uh, there are actually going to be fake Mashiachs also. People are going to say the Mashiach. You'll see it. It's not the Shem. You'll see it. Can? I don't know who's going to say, who's not going to say. All I can tell you is there's going to be fake Mashiachs. Many of them. Many of them. Oh, Next. Okay. Some of them may have peers, too. <laughs> Someone has a bad decree. Okay. Miskin. Bad decree. What can he do for about it? Ah. Okay. Staka. How can they help? Okay. Bad decree. Why they have bad decree? What happened? What they do? They messed up. They messed up. Okay. You had a question?
None of them are related to anything, so somehow we have to answer them. No, ask one. Throw us on. Explain the last part. Oh, no, it's not possible. Uh, no, Hashem specifically said that uh, he's, uh, he's married to us forever. So he doesn't change his mind. And he specifically says, I don't change my mind. But uh, that's what the, the Christians or the Arabs would tell you is that uh, Am Yisrael sinned so much that uh, Hashem has had it with them and he replaced the Jews with the Christians or with the Arabs or with whatever the, uh, today's flavor is. Uh, but that's not possible. It's against the Torah. Are there good goyim? Absolutely. Are there bad Jews? Absolutely. Uh, is that going to continue? Yes. That's why there's judgment day. Everyone has to pay the bill at some point. Everyone has to pay the bill. Whether it's going to be now, tomorrow, next week, next year, whenever. Everybody has to pay the bill eventually. We'll go over that. Okay, question number 10. Ken. According to the understanding of the Pasuk that there was four earlier Kibbalists from the world, those who were survived and Mashiach will come and bring them back. Now, the people that are exhausted, we can say to is that they know that they are Jews, what will happen to them? Because if they don't know, they are obviously not keeping the Torah. Anusim. Anusim, Anusim, or Anusim. If someone doesn't know that he's a Jew, He's, uh, he's not uh, subject to the punishment of not following Judaism. It's like, for example, uh, it's a, uh, you, can't, uh, uh, you can't punish somebody that's, uh, what's called it, that can't describe what the painting looks like if he's blind. He's blind. And then you can't uh, you know, uh, punish somebody for uh, not running the, uh, the one-mile run under six minutes if he's a uh, paraplegic. He's anus. So if someone doesn't know he's Jewish, he's not going to be judged as if he was a Jew. They'll be judged like a uh, Noahide uh, that, uh, in essence, a, uh, you know, is still obligated to ask who God is and still follow the ethical laws and so on. But when we say El Rachum when we say Hashem is a merciful God, that's one of the things that we're referring to is the fact that Hashem gives everyone an opportunity. Everyone an opportunity to fulfill the purpose of their life. No one is going to live a purposeless life uh, you know, without Hashem getting involved at some point. At some point, everyone gets a chance. One chance, two chances, five chances, ten chances to, to ask the question, who's God, where did he come from, What's the point of life? Why am I here? And so on and so forth. People, everybody asks the questions. Usually people, young kids ask this question. Five, six years old already, you start asking the question of what's in the sky. So when you get older, you ask even more sophisticated questions. At the end, everyone is exposed to God at some point or another and has an option, has a choice. Um, you know, If a person doesn't know he's Jewish, he's still obligated to wonder what does this God want, you know, uh, if a person does know that he's Jewish, then he's obligated to f find out what does God want from him also as a Jew. 
And once he finds out what's he wa- what he wants for him, he has to follow it. So as far as a person that's anus, you know, he's in the middle of, uh, I, don't know, uh, um, I don't know, Greenland or something. He's the only person living in Greenland, surrounded by snow, which is strange why it's called Greenland. Uh, but anyway, he's surrounded by snow and ice. He's the only guy there. Then obviously he's not going to be judged like a guy that's living in Brooklyn. Uh, but at the same token, Hashem is not going to put a large amount of people in that situation. And uh, some of the Gedolei says there is no such a thing. Like meaning there's no person that's not going, that's going to be put in a situation where it's going to be impossible for him to, you know, ask what God is, who is, what, what does he want, and so on and so forth. Everyone's given a chance. Everyone asks this question, this basic question. Um, okay, so... There's ten questions. I mean, they're uh, all relatively um, big questions in the sense that each one of them could be a lecture of its own. But we'll try to connect it to the Mishnah and Avot. Actually, I think you said you have a couple of other questions. Go ahead. If I don't answer all of them, it's not my fault. It's their fault. They ask me a lot of questions. Okay. Well, how does she keep Torah and Mitzvot if it doesn't believe that? Messianic. Yeah, that's not, they don't keep Torah and Mitzvot. They no, say they do. She keeps Shabbat? It's a very rare case. Usually Messianics are not... Uh, not keeping mitzvot. It's uh, it's hard to believe. Uh, you know, I mean, it's okay. I'll answer the question. Fine. Uh, next. How this is connected to this mishnah? Only God knows. This is going to be a long show, guys. Get ready. Go, go. Swear it's 12, 13, 50 questions. Go, guys. Go. I have all night. There we go. Reincarnations. Facebook just filed a complaint against us. We're going too long. Wicked people. Okay. All right, yalla, let's go. Okay, so I'll, I'll go over the uh, questions. I'll go over the questions, and uh, then somehow we'll try to go over this uh, Mishnah. Fat Hashem. That was the intro. The intro was an hour. Now we have an hour of questions, and then we have the Mishnah. Hopefully by Yom Kippur we'll finish. Okay, first question, uh, elevating the Shemot. Second question, Reshaim that live a long life. Third question, uh, what does Hashem do with uh, nice people that don't keep Torah? Uh, fourth question, someone didn't that um, 
didn't keep Shabbat, you missed his funeral, what happens, is it bad, is it good, and so on. Uh, raising the Shemot of dead people that already died a long time ago, meaning helping them. Uh, what does Kippa have to do with Yirat Shemaim? Uh, fake rabbis. Uh, what is, how can Tzedakah help a bad decree? Good going, bad Jews. Anusim, we already answered. Uh, messianics, what happens to them as far as punishment or reward or so on. And Gilgulim, reincarnation. Each one of these is a three-hour lecture, by the way. But, Bezat Hashem, Hashem Baruch will give us the answers. Okay, we are in Mishnah Avot 64. And it says the following. Rabbi Ishmael, Bno Omer, Rabbi Ishmael, the son of Rabbi Yossi Bar Khalafta. Rabbi Yossi Bar Khalafta is uh, the one that said the Mishnah of last week. Not last week, the last uh, shiur that we did. Which from him, he was actually one of the uh, sources. One of the sources that we verified and confirmed that J.C. Penny was indeed a Rasha Merusha that's mentioned in the Gemara, the same J.C. Penny that the uh, Goyim believe in as the Mashiach or as God or as Son of God or some other yo-yo. Uh, the, uh, we confirmed that uh, Rabbi Yossi Bar Chalafta wrote about him and confirmed that uh, the one that's mentioned in the Gemara is indeed him. And uh, anyone who didn't watch the shiur should watch the shiur. It's very important for every Jew and non-Jew to know the truth about Christianity, about the New Testament. Uh, in so many words, it's confirmed in the Gemara that there's a guy named uh, uh, Yeshu or Yeshua. Uh, Yeshu, they just removed the last letter of the name because it's the uh, acronym for the Imach Shimov May his name be blotted. Amen. And, uh, and the reason why is because he was a wicked person. He was a womanizer, an adulterer, and a uh, person that went against the rabbis. In the Gemara, they mentioned the story, and they also mentioned the outcome of his life, uh, which is that he is in Gehenom forever. He's in the seventh level of Gehenom, the place that doesn't end. There are seven levels to Gehenom. We're not going to go into the details of them today. Uh, but there's one, six levels that each one is worse than the other. But they end at some point. Some is one year, some is five years, some is a thousand years, and so on and so forth. And they're each different than the others. But there's one level, the seventh level, the book Reshit Chochmah, takes different uh, things from uh, the Zohar and other places. Reshit Chochmah says that the seventh level is a level of Genom that the one that enters doesn't leave. In the Gemara, Masechet Rosh Hashanah, page 17, says that the, that level of Genom, the wicked, that go in there, even after the Mashiach comes, even after the world ends, their Genom will not end. Their Genom will not end. There are different types of sinners that go into that level of Genom. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, do that uh, out there, it's disturbing oh, to some sorry, of the people. Yeah. Um, so that level of uh, that level of genome is horrible. 
And uh, there's different types of sinners that go there. One is a mechalel shem Hashem, someone that desecrates Hashem's name on purpose. Another one is a mechalel Shabbat, someone that drives on Shabbat on purpose, regular basis, doesn't do tshuva. This obviously everything is subject to tshuva. If someone does tshuva before they die, then they could lower their, their, their suffering and uh, potentially not uh, go to a gain on that never ends or perhaps even get out, not even go. It depends on their level of tshuva. But someone that say, Mechalel uh, Shabbat, Mepharesia, that's also, they go there. Someone like J.C. Penny that goes against the rabbis and is considered a mean. Mean means someone that gets people away from God on a regular basis. That one that gets people away. So missionaries, uh, messianics, all these people that get people away from God, away from the Torah, there's a special VIP section for them in that level of Gehenom, right next to J.C. Penny, their leader. Uh, and uh, for all of you that take this offensively, good. Good. You should take it offensively. It's the point. It's for you to take it offensively. Why? Because when you take away people from God, you are the enemy. You are the enemy. And Hashem Barach wrote something to those people. He wrote something to those people so that they should know. If you take people away from Him, they should know that Hashem is not joking. He's not happy with them. As a matter of fact, He wrote them a special pasuk in the book of Isaiah, chapter 48, verse 22. In Shalom... Amar Hashem l'reshaim. No peace to the reshaim, Hashem said. Your reshai taking away people from me. No peace for you. No peace. I don't want peace. Hashem is not interested in peace. It's a pasuk in the Torah. Book of Isaiah. You go, 48, 22, and shalom. He doesn't want shalom. And this answers the question of sometimes you see reshaim, that uh, sometimes are Jews, sometimes non-Jews, but they live a long life. They live a long life. 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, whatever you live, but the rasha, the guy's a thief, or the guy is a uh, criminal of other kinds, the guy is, goes against the Torah on a regular basis, and so on. You see him live a long life. What happened? In a parashat Vayit Hanan, parashat Vayit Hanan, the last three verses, Hashem says to the Rashaim, I pay them cash to their face to destroy them. Meaning, that Hashem gives them whatever reward is due to them for the few mitzvot they did in their life, in this life. Why? To make sure that, that nothing is owed to them after this life. Because whatever is left, whatever is left of this life, He's going to give them. But after this, only thing that's left is destruction. Meaning, they go to this Gehenom that doesn't end. Now the question is, why does He give them such a long life? Why don't He just give them a uh, short life, but just give them a lot of reward in a short period of time. Right? Instead of giving the guy a million dollars a year for 80 years, give him a hundred million dollars, you give him an extra 25, an extra 20, I'm sorry, extra 20 million, but only one year, kill the guy at the end. Why not? Right? Makes it a good deal. He enjoys, he enjoys a great year. The Rambam, the Rambam in Ilchot Shuvah says that Hashem gets, again, anger to Hashem is different. It's not, I don't think that Hashem has feelings. But the Rambam explains it in words that we can understand, just like uh, they use uh, different words in the Torah, like Hashem's arm. Hashem doesn't have an arm. 
Shem took us out of Egypt with a strong arm. He doesn't have an arm. But it's in a figurative language for us to understand. The Rambam says that some people are so wicked that Hashem decides, that's it, I'm going to give him extra time. Extra time and extra ways for him to sin. Why? To punish him extra. He's such a big enemy that Hashem gives him more time and more opportunities to sin. And Rambam says this is the worst punishment a person can get in this world. And the reason why is because Hashem closes the doors of tshuva to such a person. He says this person will not be able to do tshuva. This is the worst punishment in this world. So this answers that question of Rashaim that uh, live a long life. Now, Yoshke, J.C. Penny, or whatever other name they have for this guy, that died 2,000 years ago, was a very big Rasha. He went against the rabbis, just like he says in his New Testament, which is full of mistakes and also full of idolatry and a lot of other things that are complete foolishness. Anyone that actually reads this thing can understand. But most people, most Christians don't believe even what the book says. Most Christians have their own religion. Each There's no two Christians that believe the same thing. Everyone makes their own their own thing. Uh, ask them yourself. It's a, uh, there's no two Christians that have the same belief. Each one has a different thing. One guy says, Trinity. Another one says, no, two. Another one says, no, Mashiach. Another one says, Rabbi. Another one says this. Now, everyone has something else. And most people didn't read the whole thing. They just focus on one, two, three chapters or one book. The rest of it they don't read. We tell you, yeah, but it's the continuation of the Torah, which you call Old Testament as if it's uh, not important anymore. It's old. No, no, we don't need to read it. Our pastor, our reverend, or whatever told us uh, it's not relevant anymore, so we just read the, uh, the new stuff, the remix. So that's why most of them live uh, you know, a life that's blind their whole life. But eventually when you show them psukim in the Torah, they negate the, and prove that the New Testament is complete dishonesty, complete kfirah against Hashem, many of them wake up and convert or at least leave it behind them. Baruch Hashem. So, now, this uh, J.C. Penny guy, he led a lot of people to sin. And the reason why he's in Gainom and does not get an opportunity, for example, to do a Gilgul, to come back uh, like other Reshaim in the world, is because his sin continues. So on Rosh Hashanah, it says that Hashem opens up the book of the living and the dead. He opens up the book of the living and the dead. Now, opening up the book of the living, we understand each one of us made certain mitzvot, made certain avirot, certain sins. Hashem opens the book. He says, okay, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. Versus, you did this, you did this, you did this. Okay, this year, you're going to have good life. You're going to get Parnassah, you're going to get Zivug, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. Why? You did good. I'm going to give you good judgment. Fine. For the living, we understand. Why is he opening the book for the dead? Gemara says he opens the book for the dead. Why? To find out what they left behind. There's an outcome of their actions. Someone that wrote a book against Hashem, doesn't matter if he wrote it 500 years ago or 5 minutes ago. People are still reading it today. It leads to action. It leads to something. Something happens. So people, people should know 
that when you leave a comment on the internet, you say, oh, this rabbi is an idiot. I don't like that he talks against J.C. Penny. Oh, this rabbi is a uh, crazy. I don't like that he talks about against this or against that. You should know people are going to read this comment. They're going to make their own evaluation. Your comment is going to lead to action. The book, when it's opened, they're going to look at this comment, not just at the one time you made a comment on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever place you made, but it's going to show every year what that comment led to. That's what we call Omek Adin, the depth of judgment. There are certain things the Gemara says that are beyond our knowledge. One of them is called Omek Adin, the depth of judgment. How deep is the judgment in Shemaim? It's beyond human comprehension. So Rabbi Yisrael Misalant, his students, his students were angels. Rabbi Yitzhak Blazer and others, Mamash, angels, Kodesh, Kodesh Kodeshim. So two of them, when they got older, they said, listen, all our life we listened to our Rav, worked on our Midot, worked on this, worked on this, worked on that, try to do tshuva every day, like the Gemara says, supposed to do tshuva every day. Why, you're religious already, do tefillin, Rabbeinu Tam, Rashi, do tefillin, still got to do tshuva every day. Working on Midot, still got to do tshuva every day. Learning every day, still got to do tshuva every day. Why? There's no such thing as a righteous person who doesn't sin. Shlomo Melech already says it. You have to do something. And if you didn't find it, if you didn't, the Gemara says, you have to keep looking for something that you did wrong. If you didn't find it, you're definitely going to find that you bitalta Torah. You wasted time and didn't learn Torah. It has to be something. So the students of Rabbi Yisrael Misalan were saying, listen, whoever, whichever one of us dies first, Come back in a dream. Promise. Come back to a dream to the other one. Say, what happened up there? Is everything we did okay? Is not okay? So one of them dies. So the guy is waiting for his friend to come back to him in a dream. Nothing. Month, two months, three months, 11 months later, he finally comes. He says, first of all, why take you so long? He goes, because they've been judging me this whole time. This is Kodesh Kodeshim. This is a holy person. He says, they've been judging me for 11 months already. That's why I couldn't come. I was in the middle of judgment. You know what it is? We know what it's like to be judged for 11 months every day? There's no time up there. 24 hours of judgment. Oh, you did this. You did this. Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do Why'd you chew like this? Why'd you say this word? Why'd you say this? You know what kind of judgment up there? Just the judgment should be scary. He says, okay, okay, fine, 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 you're over it. No, so how is it? What happened? I'm not allowed to tell you the details. But one thing I am allowed to tell you is, you remember how we worked our whole life, 70, 75 years, on our midot, and our this, and our that, to make sure that we're kosher with this, with this, with this, with it? He goes, yes. He goes, as much as we worked, as much as we worked, it's much deeper. Me, if I would have heard it in a dream, I would have died. I would have joined him. He said, this is Kodesh Kodeshim. He's telling them it's even worse than what you think. It's deeper. Why? Because every little word you ever say, there's consequences. It's consequences. I'll give you an example. Right now, there's a certain Rasha, or Rashait, or whatever it is, that decided that the, 
they want to declare war on God. How do they declare war on God? They decided that they're going to go and against Team Hashem, against the people that publicize our Torah on the internet, on Facebook, and all these other places, myself and Rabbi Mizrahi, and they're going to go and they're going to do everything they possibly can to slow us down by filing complaints, fake complaints on Facebook or YouTube or this one or that one. And in essence, slow us down, slow the team down. And it's actually caused a lot of problems over the last 48 hours. A lot of accounts were blocked for a week. A lot of craziness. A lot of things happen behind the scenes when I'm not here. The real work is after this. So, you have a team of people that, Mamash, 24 hours a day were publicizing Torah all over the world. In Australia, in America, in every corner of the world there's Torah. People see it, like, hey, I know you. I'm like, I don't know you. Like, no, I saw you on this one, I saw you on that one. I'm like, oh, okay, Baruch Hashem, you saw. Team Hashem, you didn't see me. That's their work, they did it. People send me text messages, like, oh, I watch a shiur and I stop wearing a wig because of me. It's not because of me, it's because Team Hashem. They publicize it, I just talk. So anyway, so Team Hashem is having a very difficult time right now because some Rasha or Rashaid decided that they're going to declare war, they're going to f- file fake complaints and uh, block accounts and do all types of technology, technological things to slow Team Hashem down. Now they think they're doing good. Well, if they're listening to this year, I should tell them, this message. It's not for me. It's from God. I'm not God, but I tell you a few things. There's a few people that I know that went against Kiruv in the last few years. A few people. He's all verifiable. I can give you names if you'd like. After the lecture, just so they don't get publicly embarrassed, but it's all true. One guy was a rabbi. Decided to go against Kiruv. Whatever he did, he decided to go against Kiruv, decided to go against Team Hashem. Three months later, he got cancer. Oh Hashem, he healed about a year later, a year and a half later, after a lot of chemo, and hopefully he does tshuva, but three months after he decided to go against Kiruv, he got cancer. Anyone who thinks it's a coincidence is an idiot. Another guy went against Kiruv, Less than a year later, his son died. Another guy went against Kiruv. Supposed to do a lecture. He stopped it. Long story short, had a newborn that was born, but didn't leave the hospital for over a year. The stories continue. There's more than one. There's more than two. There's more than three. There's a few idiots that decide to go against Kiruv. When you go against Kiruv, when you go against people that are trying to do everything they can to get Am Yisrael, to get the world at large, to come back to God, and someone is foolish enough to get in the way, you couldn't be stupider. Even more so to do it during Asaraya Metshuvah. During the 10 days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Why did they do it? Why did they do it? Because they didn't like a video that we made. Which video? Which video they didn't like? There's two videos people didn't like in the last couple of weeks, or three of them. Which videos they didn't like? They didn't like that the war on wigs and the idolatry is winning, finally. 
They didn't like it. They didn't like to hear that you're not allowed to wear wigs because of idolatry. They didn't like it. Like I made the psak. Like I invented the law. They didn't like it. Or they didn't like that we confirmed that J.C. Penny is a Hashem that's swimming in Tzoharo Tachat right now. Boiling feces. They didn't like it. Or they didn't like that you're not allowed to insult, abuse, and put cherem on righteous converts. They didn't like to hear that. They didn't like to hear one of those things. So they decided that, oh, let's put a stop to the truth. So they're trying to create problems. The problem is that they don't, what they don't understand is that there's a pasuk in the Torah. It says, Hashem yilachem lachem v'atem techarishun. God will fight your wars and you shall remain silent. We don't have to worry about anything. Team Hashem has nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Why? Right now, if you can't publicize Torah, you're still getting the mitzvah. Why? Because you tried. You're anus. You're getting the credit as if you tried. On the other hand, other people are going to take it upon themselves. Say, hey, we have to publicize Torah. They're going to start sharing it. They're going to take it upon themselves to start sharing the Torah. Why? Because they know that Amisran is Tshuva. The point being is that the people that fight against the Torah, against Kiruv, I'm not sure if they're, if they're, if they're a, at the same level or even stupider than people that worship these different idols. I'm not sure if they're stupid or not. I'm not sure which one is dumber. But the reality of it is that to go against such a thing is insanity. The sad part is they call themselves religious. The sad part is they call themselves religious. But they didn't like to hear that they're not allowed to be religious with a wig on. Or they're not allowed to be religious and kick out a convert out of a mikveh. Or they're not allowed to be religious and be supportive of their messianic friends. They don't like it. So... So the answer to people that are messianics, the question that you had, the problem is with messianics is that in order to believe in J.C. Penny, it's different than believing, it's different than believing in, let's say, for example, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Even though they're both wrong, even though they're both wrong, Lubavitcher Rebbe is not the Mashiach, and anyone that says otherwise is, I'm sorry, he's just wrong and crazy. But... Uh, it's not wrong like it is believing in Yoshke. Why? Lubavitcher Rebbe was tzaddik. Kadosh was a holy man. Kodesh Kodashim. Alvay Alenu to be even a shoestring. Kodesh Kodashim. He didn't say anything. He didn't say he's the Mashiach. People made him into whatever he is. The, but in essence, he didn't write a book and there was no book written about him that changes Judaism or changes the Torah. J.C. Penny, on the other hand, in order to believe in him, you have to believe in the New Testament. You cannot believe in J.C. Penny without believing in the New Testament because that's the only document that mentions his life. There's no newspaper article that says, hey, J.C. Penny just walked on water. There's no newspaper that said it. There's no like journal that some little kid wrote, oh, I saw J.C. Penny today. He's so much fun. We played baseball together. 
No, there's no, nothing. There's no, like, book report. Oh, JC's great. Chocolate cake. Nothing. Nothing. No, no mention of, no, or nothing. There's two documents that mention JC Penny. New Testament, which is by far the most anti-Semitic document ever written. Most anti-Semitic document ever written in the history of mankind is the New Testament. It says at best 144,000 Jews are going to survive. At best. All the tzaddikim, the kedoshim, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yeshua ben Parchia, all of them called them Pharisees, Reshaim. He called all the tzaddikim, kedoshe Elyon, called them Reshaim. By far the most anti-Semitic document ever written. So you have a problem believing in this document. The other document that mentions J.C. Penny is a Talmud, is a Gemara. The Gemara says he's right now swimming, fast swim, and boiling feces. He's racing with Titus. They're racing. Who's going to get burned first? So you have two documents. You have two sources. Either one is not good. So to believe in J.C. Penny, it's not like believing in the Rebbe or somebody else. They're both wrong. J.C. Penny is a serious, serious problem. So you have to believe. And also the New Testament, all joking aside, New Testament also says that God is three. God has three parts. Regardless of whether your friend believes that God is three or not, it's irrelevant. The document that says J.C. Penny was here and here, da, 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 says he's three. Document it says says the New Testament says it. You can't pick and choose. It's either fake or it's real. So that's the problem that people that are messianics have, and they have to realize that if you're already going to believe in something, investigate. Investigate. Don't just believe something blindly. Some guy's the Mashiach. Why is he Mashiach? Why? Why is he Mashiach? What makes him Mashiach? Why? Miracles? People of the Gemara made bigger miracles. Moses made bigger miracles. Aaron Akoyan made bigger miracles. Big deal miracles. Miracles, specific pasuk in the Torah says miracles don't make anybody righteous or a Mashiach. So why make miracles? Even if he did or he didn't, irrelevant. So what? Second thing is, where is it the Torah does it say that you have to worship the Mashiach? Who cares? If he's a Mashiach, not Mashiach, who cares? Where in the Torah does it mention you have to talk about the Mashiach all the time? In your prayer, in your daily... Only time it says, the Rambam says, only time you should think about Mashiach is, it's one of the 13 principles of faith that he should arrive at any given moment. It doesn't say you have to think about his name, you think about his life, what he did, who he... It says nothing. So that's where the whole Messianic concept goes to the garbage and goes back to idolatry. Why? Because it's not about him being Mashiach. If you go deeper into the roots of Messianics, it makes him, turns him from this theoretical Mashiach back into the idol worship that deep Christianity has made him from the beginning. They say, no, 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 he's God, he's son of God, he's this thing. It goes back to the New Testament. You can't believe in J.C. Penny without it being New Testament. So that's the problem with the people that believe in Messianics. But unfortunately, at the end of times, there's going to be not only more confusion, but there's going to be many more fake Mashiachs, just like J.C. Penny. 
There are many people that say they're Mashiach. Um, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to make miracles. They're not going to make miracles if they're going to use, but they're definitely going to have certain powers from Kishuf, from uh, different uh, wizardry and uh, uh, black magic and so on. But again, none of that matters. None of that matters. All you have to do is that, all you have to know is that you have to do tshuva. Who the Mashiach is, when he's going to come, all that stuff is irrelevant. Why? You still have to do tshuva. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. So, the, uh, the fact that there is many people that are righteous goyim, and many Jews that are not exactly the most righteous, is a testament to the fact that Hashem is looking for the diamonds everywhere. It's not just for the Jews. But everyone is being given a chance to do tshuva. When Hashem decided to give the Torah to Am Yisrael, He also presented the Torah to all of the nations. And some people within each nation said, yes, we want the Torah, but their leaders didn't want it. So Hashem said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to inherit the Torah before the Mashiach comes. I'm going to bring you into a life, into a Gilgul, a reincarnation, that you're going to have the opportunity to inherit the Torah that you originally wanted, but you couldn't accept it because your nation didn't want it. So, one of the things the Gemara in Masechet Avodah Zarah, in page 3b, beginning of 4a, says that at the end of times, right before the Mashiach comes, there's going to be many converts. Many people, there's always been some converts, but it says there's going to be an unusual amount of people converting from false religions into the Torah, into Judaism. And we see it every day. The amount of converts we have right now has, has, has surpassed any other time in history but it's going to be even more. Why? Because Hashem has given everyone that opportunity to, to deliver on that promise that He made 3,300 years ago. So now, Baruch Hashem, there are many people that are coming to Judaism. So these righteous goyim are given a choice. Some of them are given the opportunity to convert to Judaism and become righteous Jews. Some of them are given the opportunity to leave their idolatry and become righteous Noahites. Righteous goyim. Either way, they have Olam different levels of Olam but nonetheless Olam the Jews that are out there today, they're all going to do tshuva, but anyone that doesn't do tshuva, unfortunately, they have a serious, serious problem. Because all the chesed in the world, all of the mitzvot that they can do as far as giving tzedakah, being nice to people, uh, all of those things is not going to help them. Why? Because a Jew that's a mechalel shabbat is violating one of the principles of the foundation of our connection with Hashem Barach. There's a few things that Hashem calls the covenant, the deal breaker, the deal breaker. So Shabbat is one of them. So a Jew that drives on Shabbat on a regular basis, not just one time in their life, and then the tshuva. Someone that drives on Shabbat, even if they're driving to Beknesset, every week. Someone that smokes cigarettes on Shabbat, lights fire on Shabbat, and so on and so forth. Someone that violates Shabbat on a regular basis is considered as someone that's an idolater, it's an idol worshiper. But what about those people that say, wait a minute, okay, so he's considered an idolater based on Shabbat, but he gives a million dollars a year to homeless shelters. He gives another million dollars a year to yeshivot. He gives another million dollars a year to, I don't know, safe puppies or something, I don't know. He gives a lot of money away. And he's really, really nice, and he says thank you, 
and uh, whatever, all these other things. Nice person, could be a wonderful person. The Pasuk says the following. I didn't write this. Hashem didn't ask me for permission when he wrote this. So don't get upset at me. But this is something that it says in uh, Parashat Nitzavim. Parashat Nitzavim we read two weeks ago. Parashat Nitzavim. In chapter 29. Chapter 29, verse 18. It says, I know most of you didn't understand this pasuk, so we'll read it and explain it. Even the English is not easy. It says, and it will be, when he hears the words of this imprecation, this is after Hashem says there's a blessing, there's a curse, and so on and so forth. Someone that hears this, he will, and he will bless himself in his heart, saying, "Peace will be with me, though I walk as my heart's my heart sees fit." Thereby adding the watered upon the thirsty. He says, "Someone that's religious in their heart. Someone that just says." Listen, I know you said there's a blessing, there's a curse. I know you said there's Shabbat, there's kosher. But no, no, that's not for me. Come on, it's not for me. I'm going to do other things. I'm going to give money away. I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to donate to the dogs to save the pit bulls. Miskenim. How many Michael Vicks are in the world killing dogs? I'm going to save the pit bulls. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a nice person. Why? There's plenty of nice people in the world doing such things, right? Not following Torah, but following their own version of Torah. Following their own nicehood. So Hashem says, those people that say, peace will be with me. I'm going to be okay. Peace will be with me. I know you said all the, I know you said Shabbat. I know you said everything. But it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Peace is going to be on me. Though I walk as my heart sees fits, even though I do whatever I want, whatever my heart says, everything's going to be okay. Verse 19 continues. Hashem will not be willing to forgive him. For then Hashem's anger and jealousy will smoke against that man. And the entire imprecation written in this book will come down upon him. And Hashem will erase his name from under the heavens. Hashem will set him aside for evil from among all the tribes of Israel, like all the imprecations of the covenant that is written in his book of Torah. No such thing as religious in your heart, my friends. No such thing. He says, you want to do what you want? No problem, do what you want. Hashem won't forgive you. Everyone else will forgive. You, he won't forgive. Why he won't forgive? He made a joke of the system. Someone that tried and failed. Someone tried to keep Shabbat, but he didn't know the halachot of Shabbat. He didn't know. He tried. Failed. He tried keeping Shabbat. He didn't know the halachot. He forgot. He didn't know. Forgive him. Why? Yom Kippur, I forgive him. Why? He tried. Someone tried 
watching his eyes, but he failed once in a while. He saw Manat Mara's girl. He looked at the internet. He did. He tried. He failed here and there. He failed. Shem says, "I forgive him." Why? He tried. He tried. He tried. He says someone that said, "No, no, those things not driving on Shabbat. That's for you. That's for the Haredim. That's for the really religious. I'm not. I'm not at that level. I'm not at that level of being so religious." I drive on Shabbat. Don't worry. Hashem understands me. Hashem understands me. Everything's going to be okay with me. Peace is going to be upon me. Hashem wrote a verse for him. Book of Deuteronomy. He says he's not going to forgive him. And he's going to erase his name for eternity. And all the punishments that are written in this book of Torah are going to come upon him. This is what I just read. You want to read it for yourself? There's no such thing as religious in your heart. No such thing. So, for those that continue to make excuses, Hashem continues in this week's parasha, parashat Azinu. All of these parashot, if you notice, this is the last speech from Moshe Rabbeinu. The last speech from Moshe Rabbeinu. In parashat Azinu. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem gave you all the good. He gave you this, He gave you this, He gave you this, He gave you this. He still went against them. Am naval velochacham. He says, You're a vile and stupid people. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, and not me, don't get offended for me. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, You stupid people. Why stupid people? You know how much he loved Am Yisrael? He was willing to die for Am Yisrael every day. But he's calling them stupid. Why is he calling them stupid? He goes, do you realize what you're going against? You're going against the hand that feeds you, you idiot. You want Parnassah? Where are you going to get Parnassah? Where you think? You're the one that made the money. You want air? Where, where do you think you're going to get air? You think you're the one that's going to invent air? You want zivug? Where are you going to get a zivug? Why are you going to find it on your own? You can't go to the bathroom without him. Go try living a day like Rabbi Yudanasi with the screaming. How can you go against him? On purpose, nonetheless. That's what makes you stupid. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. It's religious in your heart thing. It couldn't be stupider. Why? Because it's being intellectually dishonest. Intellectually dishonest. Why? You live in a world where you know there must be rules. You drive in a system where you know there has to be traffic laws. Why? If there's no laws, there'll be accidents. There'll be chaos. There has to be traffic lights and traffic laws and speeding uh, limits and so on and so forth. Whether you like the laws or not, you know you have to comply with them or else you risk getting arrested, getting fined, getting so... Why? Because man invented laws. You live in different countries, whether it be America or it's in Istanbul or it's Australia or it's Israel, wherever it is. You live somewhere, you have to live based on the laws of that government. You like it or not, you want to live there, there has to be laws. Whether they make sense to you or not is irrelevant. You like them or not is irrelevant. 
You want to live there, you have to comply with the laws, or else you risk punishment. You have a family, you have kids. You're going to teach your kids, there are laws of the land in this house. Somebody goes into a yeshiva. He says, hey, I'm here, I'm the Mashiach. Rabbi says, hey, you shut up, you. He goes, oh, what kind of rabbi are you telling people to shut up? I'm a guest, I'm a Mashiach. He goes, no, 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 here, I'm the Mashiach. You come, you raise kids, you tell the kids, hey, there's laws of the land here. I'm Abba, I'm Imam, whatever. You have to follow my laws. Why? If there's no laws, the kids are going to become little Hitlers. That's a reality. There has to be a law. So if man created law, what makes you think that his creator didn't? What makes you think that only the creation can create something that's logical, that's necessary, but its creator wasn't smart enough to figure it out? Just go do whatever you want. Go. Have fun. Have fun. Enjoy. Go into the world and have sex with as many people as you want. Go steal money. Go kill people. Do whatever you want. Just believe in some idiot that died 2,000 years ago and everything's going to be okay. Who told you this stupidity? That's intellectual dishonesty. Why? You have to you have to mamash either be crazy or a liar to believe that. To believe that there's no law from the creator, you have to either be a liar or crazy. If you're crazy, you're patu anyway, you're anus. You're not responsible, don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about the law. You're crazy, you're like a drunk. If you're a drunk, you don't have to follow any law. They don't they don't judge you in Shemaim. They say this guy's a crazy. He's crazy, this is just a crazy person. Not judge. You can't judge someone that's uh, mentally deficient like you judge somebody It's Einstein. Can't. He's autistic. He's retarded. He's, uh, he's missing half a brain. You can't judge him. He says, oh, if somebody's crazy, he's patu. He's absolved of the mitzvot. So if you're that, don't worry about anything that I just said. If you're everything else, and you're still saying, I don't have to follow the law. I'm still going to be religious in my heart. You're a liar. You're a liar. Why? There's laws everywhere else. And you comply with them whether you like it or not. There's traffic laws, government laws, tax laws, regulatory laws. There's laws everywhere you go. Why wouldn't God have laws? Yom Kippur is the opportunity... For you to realize, okay, okay, I gotta stop messing around. If God gives me another chance this year, I gotta do better. Why? Going to pray, it's good, it's great, it's nice, good job, go pray, have a good time. That's not what Hashem is looking for in young people. Hashem is looking for tshuva. Hashem is looking for tshuva. Many people go to the Beknesset. And they pray, they pray, they pray, they pray. Some of them even pretend like they're crying. A day later, they violate Shabbat. A day later, they still eat chazil. A day later, they still go back to stealing at work. There's a pasuk for them in the Torah also. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 29, verse 13, he says, in their mouth, in their lips, they honor me. But their hearts are very far away from me. 
You can say whatever you want to Hashem. Yeah, I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. But in reality, deep down inside, Hashem knows what's going on. He knows you're going to be a sinner tomorrow. He knows you, tomorrow you already have a barbecue set up on Shabbat. He knows tomorrow you already have a deal you're planning to cheat your customer. He knows tomorrow you're planning on going out and cheating on your wife. He knows. He says, for you, Yom Kippur is not going to help. All the Yom Kippur's in the world are not going to help you. Why? You're, you're making a joke of the system. You're making a joke of the system. So, a person being nice, you have to describe, you have to know what nice really means. Rabbi Israel, Rabbi Ishmael, the son of, of uh, Rabbi Yossi Bar Khalafta, he says, one who withdraws from judgment removes himself from hatred. And also removes himself from robbery and the responsibility for an unnecessary oath. But one who is self-confident in issuing legal decisions is a fool, a rasha, and an arrogant spirit. This is a Mishnah. This is not my own words. I wish it was my own words. Rabbi Ishmael B'no Omer, Achoshech atzmo min adin, porek mimeno eva v'gazel, u'shvoat shav, v'agas libo be'oraa, shoter rasha v'gas ruach. He says, a person that removes himself from the position of having to judge as a dayan. You have a, uh, people come to you, they say, listen, I want to sue this guy. He stole money from me. And instead of telling him, okay, let me, let me hear all the facts, and I'll tell you who's right and who's wrong. Rabbi Ishmael says it's a rule. Someone that removes himself from deciding who's right, who's wrong, and instead... Encourages the people to settle. Okay, listen. You say he stole a hundred. You say you only stole fifty. Okay, Ooh. give him seventy-five. Yalla, go. You encourage the guys to settle and not decide who's right and who's wrong. He says that person is removing himself from hatred, from robbery, and from the responsibility of an unnecessary oath. That's the first part. Meaning. That the fact that you led them to settle, you were the ideal judge. Why? Because by being a judge that decides who's right and who's wrong, one of the sides is going to hate you. The loser is going to hate you. The loser always blames the judge. Doesn't blame, blame the guy. Doesn't blame themselves. No one blames themselves. There's actually a Gemara. There's a Gemara in a uh, Masechet Shabbat, page 119. It says, "En adam There's no person in the world that ever sees that he's at fault. Naturally, unless you work on your midot, you work on your character traits, you're not going to see that. I really need to do something about it. This is the problem with a lot of people that are not working on their midot. They see some of these things that we say in the shiurim that are all from the Torah. And they don't like it. They call themselves religious, but they don't like it. No, 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 no. My wig is kosher. My wig is not from idol worship. Where'd you get it from? The store. 
I'm like, where'd the store get it from? I don't know. They got it from somewhere else. I'm like, oh, so how do you know it's not idol worship? It's not. It's not. It's not. I, I know it's not. It's, it's not. I'm like, why? How do you know it's not idol worship? It's at kosher on it. I'm like, yeah, but we proved that the whole kosher thing is a scam. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Married religious women. This cannot. So people that are looking for excuses sometimes. Why? Because they can't see that they're the ones that, if you talk about Michal Shabbat, like, yeah, yeah, you should encourage people to keep Shabbat. Why? Because they don't have a problem with Shabbat. You talk about wasting seed, like, yeah, yeah, you should teach wasting seed because they don't have a problem with wasting seed. Talk about against Christianity, yeah, yeah, teach against Christianity because they don't have a problem with Christianity. But as soon as you hit home, as soon as you start telling, hey, you should start working on this, start working on this, start working on something that's hitting home, all of a sudden, hey, hey, you take it too far. Why? It's affecting them specifically. As if I wrote it. So Rabbi Ishmael says, listen. You want to remove yourself from being hated as a judge? Try to encourage people to settle. Because everyone that comes to court knows that both sides are at fault to some extent. To some extent. Not always, but to some extent, both sides are at fault. Settle. Everyone agrees that there's a certain responsibility the other person has, unless it's a mamasha outright fraud. Like, for example, what happened to us in this with this moving company, Machshimam. Um, the point is, is that there is a... Each person is responsible. Let's get the settlement. Why? If you get the settlement, the guy that was going to hate you because you would have chosen against him, he's not going to hate you anymore. Why? Because he says, listen, this judge helped me out. I lost less than what I was supposed to. Or whatever. He knows it's fair judge. Aside from that, he says, you're going to remove yourself from the risk of robbery. What do you mean robbery? What, every judge gets robbed? He goes, no, no, no. Robbery means, chas v'shalom, you make a bad judgment. If you make a bad judgment as a judge, if you're Dayan, you make a bad judgment, and you make the guilty party innocent, and the innocent party guilty, so the innocent party that pays, that you misjudged, it's like you stole from them. You have to pay for it in Shemaim. Everybody's like, oh, big, wow, I want to be a Dayan. I look at this Dayan. It's great to be a Dayan. Anyone that's a real Dayan is scared to be a Dayan. Anyone that's a real Dayan is scared. What's the source? We have a source in the Gemara, Rav Huna. Rav Huna, one of the giants of all giants in the history of mankind. Rav Huna, he says... I never, ever want to judge by myself. Every time he judged, he brought 10 people with him. He says, just in case I'm wrong, he knew the entire Torah by heart. Just in case I'm wrong, at least the punishment will be spread among 10 people. I don't take the whole punishment myself. Rav Huna, Rav Huna is saying, I, in case I'm wrong, he knows the entire Torah by heart. Kodesh Kodeshim, he can revive the dead. The dead, somebody dies, he can say, alive, he alive. He says, in case I make a mistake, let the dean from Shemaim, because it's a righteous judge. He's going to punish all ten of us equally. It's not all to me. I can't handle all of it. So someone that knows the significance of being a judge, doesn't want to be a judge by himself. And should not be a judge by himself. That's the next Mishnah. He says, if you misjudge, you're stealing. You have to pay for it. And last but not least, he says, if someone... Remove himself from judgment, meaning someone wants to do the best thing for himself and try to get lead to a settlement. You're also going to remove the risk of getting one of the parties to swear falsely. 
meaning violate one of the Ten Commandments using Hashem's name in vain. Someone violates such a commandment under your watch, it's a problem. You have a serious, serious problem. So he says, to be a judge is a big deal. On the other hand, someone who is self, so self-confident that he easily just issues judgment. He goes, no, guilty, oh, innocent, oh, guilty, oh, no, asur, mutar, asur, mutar. Tells everybody this is what it is, that's it. What do you mean? But you don't know all the facts. You haven't given people the opportunity to show you everything. You don't know this, you don't know that. Maybe No, 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 I know, I know, I know. You ever meet those people? You start talking, like, no, no, I know what you're going to say. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know what you're going to say. I know, I know. Sometimes I make the same mistake also. And I try to work on it. Like, for example, when she's asked the question, already to about half the question, I knew the question. It's not because I know, I know, I know, because I heard the question already many, many times before. But sometimes people act differently. They ask you a question. Like, I had the guy ask me a question one time. I mean, he asked a bunch of people a question. And he really wasn't interested in anybody answering the question. He just wanted to tell people what he thought. So we're sitting there, and the guy asks the question. He goes, listen, I read in the Gemara that said ta 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 What do you think? And he goes, one, he asks the guy a question. No, no, no. We're not. No, no, no. No, he doesn't know, doesn't know, doesn't know. The guy answers, no, no, no. So he comes to me. I know the answer. Bo Hashem. And I start, I just, mamash, I just start saying the first, like, seven words. No, 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 you're creating things, you're creating things. No, 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 no. Like, mamash, embarrassed, like, destroys me. No, 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 you're just, you're just inventing things. I didn't, you asked the question, I'm trying to answer you. No, 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 You're inventing things. He continued, at the end, he starts saying the answer, what is exactly what I said. He's not interested. In, he's not interested in the answer. He's interested in answer, hearing himself talk. But sometimes you hear people. He says, sometimes a person is too confident in himself, and he starts issuing legal decisions, no problem, without checking all the facts, without going to his rabbi. There's one guy that's a complete fool. Who, uh, I talked about him before. And uh, several times already in the last year, this guy has made videos against me and wrote things against me and uh, against me, against the Torah. So recently, with this wig situation, where you have five Gdoleado, five Gdoleado, five people that are the giants of the generation, signed a letter saying, it's Asul to wear a wig from real hair. Now these are not regular people. These are Nanashim Pshutim. These are Gdole Ado. These are giants among giants. These are the biggest of the generation. It's not regular people. It's not a regular local Chabad rabbi or some Orthodox Shul rabbi or... No, no, no. These are Gdole Ado. This is Bnei Brak, Yerushalayim, giants. All Dayanim. All Poskim. All Kdush... Giants. They obviously investigated everything. They learned a lot many, many years, decades upon decades, they concluded on their own, had nothing to do with me. Concluded, not allowed to wear wigs anymore from real hair. So this little, I don't know, 30-year-old something, 35-year-old nothing, says, nah, he makes a video about this, three different videos about this, he goes, nah, 
Nobody knows what they're talking about. You're allowed to wear wigs. Everything's okay. I looked at the I looked at the books. It's okay. It's okay. Now, what is he doing? What is he doing? Is he a rabbi? Is he a chacham? Did he write big books about alachot, chidushim? Did he? What did he? What is he guy? Such a guy says five gedolei ador are wrong. Five, not one, not two. Five gedolei ador are wrong, but not just wrong, foolishly wrong. And anyone that agrees is foolishly wrong. In fact, so wrong that anyone in the history, in the history of Judaism, that ever says that you have to cover your hair with a hat or a scarf is wrong. Rambam, Vilna Gaon, Arizal, Ravovadi Yosef Zechet Tzadik Livracha, anyone in the history of mankind that ever says you have to cover your head with a mitpachat or kisuos is wrong. Everyone. He knows. What does he do for a living? Is he wrote he wrote books? He read books. He finished the shas a thousand times, nine hundred times, one time. What does he do? Who is this big chacham? Big chacham going against the Rambam. Big chacham going against Gemara. Going against five dollars. What does he do? He writes loans for people. Loans. He lends money. He works for a loan company, a lending company. He writes loans. That's what he does for a living. No books, no shas, no babkis, no nothing. Nothing. But he read in a book, everyone's wrong. And he makes videos about this while he's driving. I don't know what this thing about these people have. These people have this thing. They drive a car, but they make a video. Why can't you pull over and just like, or, or like make it in a room? Why do you have to make a video while you're driving? What's with that? Like, either drive or make a video. Why do you have to, like, what? what is like a cool thing? You're driving, hey, guys, how are you? And you're looking, like, what, what, what's with that? I don't get it. But anyway, he just said, five gedolei adol, and everyone else before them, after them, everybody, is all wrong. While he's driving, it's so easy for him. On him, this Mishnah is written. On him, this Mishnah is written. It says, this person is shoteh, rasha v'gasuach. This person is a fool, a fool, drunk, shoteh. Shoteh, shoteh means drink. Shoteh meaning he's a drunk. He's like, he's, he's like a drunk person. It's like a drunk person. He's rasha. And he is arrogant. Why? Why are these things? He says, only a fool, only a shoteh, is conceited enough to assume judicial role recklessly. And just issue decisions with haste. This is a person that's only wise in his own eyes. He's smart just in his own eyes. No one else thinks he's smart. Everybody else thinks this guy's an idiot. But he thinks he's smart. That's the most dangerous person of all. The guy that's a fool and knows he's a fool is better than him. Why? Because at least he knows where he stands. The guy that's smart and knows he's smart knows where he stands. The guy that's smart, but doesn't know he's smart. He's still okay. The guy that's a fool, but thinks he's smart, most dangerous person on earth. That's the people that create the biggest disasters in history. All the biggest disasters in history are made by people that thought they were smart. Smarter than what they really are. He says, this is a dangerous person. And that's why he's not just a shote, not just considered a drunk. He says, but this person is not viewing 
the divrei chachamim, like he's supposed to, where to be a judge in Judaism, to be a dayan in Judaism, the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin, page seven says, you have to view the judgment as if there's a sword on your neck, and Gehenom is right below you. Meaning, one way or another, your mama is a centimeter away from going to one of them, if you make the wrong move to be a judge. Why? Because when you're a judge in Torah, you're a partner with God. You're a partner in running the world. Hashem runs the world in a precise way. There's no mistakes. There's no accidents. So it's either a sword on top or Gehenom on bottom. And this guy said, no, allowed, not allowed, allowed, not allowed. Look, it's like uh, traffic tickets. Traffic tickets. You just give it traffic. You know how people, those people walk around, they get parking tickets. They get parking tickets. Yeah, but but I'm in the car. I'm in the car. I'll leave. No, no I already wrote it. I'm sorry. But I'm in the car. I'll drive away. No, I'm not, sorry. It's already in the system. When the system? Just erase it. Right? It's already in the system. You see those people? This is this guy. Allowed, not allowed, allowed, not allowed. No consideration to God. No, you got Shemaim. Nothing. No fear of God. No, like, nothing. Mamash, nothing. This is a shoteh. This is a drunk person. But he's also a rasha. Why does he say he's a rasha? He says because any Torah that he learned, Rashi says he learned it just because he wants kavod. He either wants kavod, or he wants money, or he wants a combination. He didn't learn Torah for Hashem. He didn't learn Torah because he's obligated to. He learned Torah for some other side reason. It's not pure Torah. Loba Shamaimi. It's not Torah from Shamaim. He read the Torah for intellectual purposes, for something else. He says, because anyone that has the lowest level of Yirat Shamaim, the lowest, we're not even talking about the highest level of Yirat Shamaim, we're not talking about Avraham Avinu, we're talking about the lowest level of Yirat Shamaim, would never rush into a situation and make decisions where there's even a small chance of making a mistake. Slow down, review, ask this one, ask that one, review that one. Oh, he's a bigger chacham than me. <laughs> Let me ask him, what he, where did he go wrong? Let me talk to him. Let me see what happened. He's, he's a person that's not, why is he rasha? He's a person because he's not concerned of what the outcome of his actions is going to lead to. Meaning the fact that people can lose their, their souls. People can lose their eternity because of his irrational decisions, because of his own ego. He doesn't care about that. No, no, you're allowed to drive on Shabbat on a scooter. It's okay, it's okay. What do you mean it's okay? Who said it's okay? It's okay, it's okay. Hashem understands, it's okay. It says a sticker on it, kosher for Shabbat. It's good, it's good. You ever see those things? People drive a little car, a little mini golf cart, and it has a sticker on it, Shabbat cart. You know, some rasha that calls himself a rabbi made those stickers. And people are following it. Like, no, no, it's kosher. It's kosher to drive these little scooters, these little golf carts on Shabbat. It's okay, it's okay. What okay? Who said it's okay? Who said it's okay? No, I live far away. So what? What, God didn't know you live far away? Who said it's okay? People just make laws, go, no, like it's traffic tickets, like it's, uh, just make a bumper sticker and everything's okay. This is Reshaim. This is Reshaim. This is why the Pasuk says, 
In Sefer Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, verse 11, If the Rasha will do tshuva from his way, what do you mean do tshuva from his way? You should say, if the Rasha should do tshuva, should return, period. Why, what do you mean from his way? What do you mean from his way? What's darko? Darko, what's darko? Darko means his way. He says, the Rasha, why is he Rasha? Everyone sins. But not everyone's called Rasha. Someone makes a sin. He sins. Sinner makes a sin. David Melech made a sin in his level. It's not really a sin. Barat says it's not a sin. Even if it was a sin, it doesn't call him Rasha. Moshe Rabbeinu made his mistakes in his level. Not us. Us is not even a sin. Bichlal. Him, in his level, Shem doesn't call him Rasha. What does Shem say? Avdi. He's my slave. He's my servant. I love him. It's the greatest person on earth ever lived. Made a few sins though. Mistake. Never, never, chas v'shalom ever mentioned rasha. Plenty of people made sins. They're not called rasha. What's a rasha? What's a rasha? Hashem is saying to, the, in, to Ezekiel, tell the rasha to come back from his way so he could live. What do you mean? What way? Which way? He says, what makes a person a rasha? Rasha is that he got used to sinning and doesn't feel anything about it. Now, Torah says that a person that murders, bar minan, someone that murders, violates one of the Ten Commandments, kills somebody, but he still has olam abba. He has to suffer. There's gay norm, there's this, there's that. He still has to suffer, no problem. He has to suffer. But he has, he's not with Yoshke. He's not in the seventh level of Gainom. He actually gets, he has to suffer a little bit, pay for the deal, but he has Olam Abba. He has Olam Abba. He murdered. He has Olam Abba though. Nowhere in the Torah does it say, murderer loses Olam Abba. He has Olam Abba. But, someone that embarrasses another in public, Loses his olam haba. Why? Someone that murdered has olam haba. Someone that embarrasses another person, no olam haba. Why? Gemara says because someone that embarrasses a person in public, it's like he murdered him. So the Chaim Akados says, okay, okay, fine. Hold on a second. Let's 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 re- let's retract. If he murdered, he has olam haba. He has olam haba. But if he did something like a murder, which is embarrassing him in public, no lamaba. It should be the opposite. If he murdered, no lamaba. If he embarrasses, he has a lamaba. But it's a no, 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 no. It's exactly what it says. If he murdered, has a lamaba. If he embarrassed in public, no lamaba. Why? It doesn't make sense until you understand the facts. Hashem knows what's in your heart, and He says to you, if someone murdered. The next day, the next minute, the next hour, he's going to feel bad about it. He's going to feel bad. I mean, he's, he just murdered a guy. He's going to feel bad about it. He, unless he's a sociopath, like a, a Nazi Hitler or something. A normal person, murdered, he's going to feel bad about it. He's going to feel bad about it. He says, but a person that embarrasses his friend, embarrasses somebody in public, he murdered him in public and he doesn't feel bad. Why? Because he thinks he's right. He thinks he's right. He thinks he's doing a mitzvah for embarrassing his friend. 
hey, yeah, you know, you, you have, uh, sometimes you have a couple of guys talking over lunch or you're studying or whatever. Like, ah, now you're just an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You just lost your alamba. Who's the idiot, really? You just called the guy an idiot in front of all of his friends, in front of his wife, in front, just, just like that. No big deal. Just called him an idiot. That's it. Just destroyed him. His wife, hakavot for him, just dropped 20%. His own wife just lost kavot for her husband 20% because she just called her husband an idiot. He didn't say nothing. Oh, a guy comes to a guy with staka. Oh, give me staka, please, staka for, you know, my wife, my kids, my, you know, my organization, whatever. Ah, no, 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 go get a job, go get a job. You make sure that you tell everybody, look at this guy, he wants money for me. Go get a job. No, Batlan, you're embarrassing him in public. Destroyed him, murdered him. You could easily say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Not interested. Dude, let the guy go. Why do you have to embarrass him in public? No, go get a job, go this, that, that. You just murder him in public. But you think you're right. That's the worst part. Why is there no Lamaba? In both cases, there's murder. One guy physically murdered. The other guy murdered with words. Why does the guy that's the second guy with words has no lamaba? Or Chaim says, it's because he doesn't feel bad about it. He thinks he's right. That means there's no tshuva for him. He never did tshuva. The guy that felt bad the next morning, that's part of his tshuva. The guy that thinks he's right, he's never going to do tshuva for it. He made a video against the rabbi. He thinks he, not only he thinks he's right, he thinks it's a mitzvah to go against this rabbi. He thinks it's a mitzvah to go against Gdolei Adol. He thinks it's a mitzvah to embarrass people in public. He thinks it's a mitzvah. Torah says there's no tshuva for him. Why? Where? He thinks he's right. That's why he has no ulama Because he never did anything. And that's why it says in the pasuk, Make sure the Rasha comes back from his way. What is way? His way means he got so used to thinking he's right, he forgot that he's actually wrong. He's forgot that it's even possible for him to be wrong. He got used to being a sinner. He never had any time for tshuva. He's so arrogant. He's so conceited. He thinks he knows more than everybody else. There's no time for tshuva for such a person. That's why he loses Olamaba. And the last but not least is the arrogance. He says, V'gasroch, this is an arrogant spirit. And it specifically talks about such people, in essence, repeating what we said. It says, this is a specific, the Mikveh Yisrael says, this Mishnah is a specific warning against people that decide to rule for themselves on Allahic decisions, Allahic questions. This is a Mishnah to remind you you're not allowed to be your own rabbi. Doesn't matter how big you are. The biggest rabbi in the world has to have a rabbi. Everyone has to have a rabbi. To such an extent, the Gemara Masechet Yevamot says, God looks at a person with no rabbi, and he says, I hate him. God, God, Hashem Yitbach, looks at a person who has no rabbi, he says, him, and he's learning to all day. Learn Torah, day, learning, learning, learning. You're not, uh, he's not all day playing Tetris. He's learning all day. No rabbi says, him, I hate him. I hate him. Why? Why does he hate him? He says, because he 
made a joke of the system. He thinks that he knows everything. It is not possible for him to make a mistake. That every decision that he's going to make is going to be right. Every understanding that he has is right. And no one else could possibly know more than him. So Gemara Masechet Yevamot, page 109b, says God hates him. How much God hates him? This is a guy that's learning Torah. We're not talking about the guy that's Rasha. We're talking about the guy that's learning Torah thinks he's a tzaddik. Thinks he's a tzaddik his whole life. So I'll finish these questions and I'll answer your question. So the people that are living their life thinking that tzaddikim thinking that everything's okay, you have to understand. There's no such thing as a person doesn't sin. There's no such thing. Everybody sins. But Hashem gives us opportunities. Hashem gives us opportunities to do tshuva every day. Hashem gives us special times during the year to do tshuva like Yom Kippur. But the key is to care. The key is to care enough about the system that Hashem put in place because it's for your own benefit. It's not for His benefit. For your own benefit, Rabbi Yisrael Misalant, in his uh, sixth or seventh letter, I think it's the seventh, sixth letter that he wrote in Or Yisrael, he says, and Gemaraya mentions that at the end of times, on Judgment Day, whichever comes first to a person, the, the righteous will look at their life, all the mitzvot that they did in their life, and they're going to see a mountain. What that they overcame all of the tikkunim, all of the obstacles that they came, they're gonna see a mountain and they're gonna cry. The Rashaim, the Rashaim are gonna see a little hair that they didn't overcome, and they're gonna cry also. This is a famous Gemara. So Rabbi Israel says, Why are they crying? Why are they crying? So the famous understanding is that the righteous people are going to say, look, how hard it was, how hard it was to overcome all the Yetzirah that I had in my whole life, and Baruch Hashem, I'm here, but it reminds me of all, how difficult it was. But look, Baruch Hashem, look what I have. I arrived, I have a big schar for Olam Abba, a mountain of mitzvot. But it reminds them of the past, of all the hardship they had to go through, they had to close their eyes, they can't look at a modest woman, the wife has to take off the wig, put a bit pachat. The uh, you know the kids have to go to yeshiva. They have to spend extra money for kosher food. Da, 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 all these things. It's not easy. But now I have a mountain of mitzvot. Look, Baruch Hashem. It's not easy. So they cry from happiness. The reshaim, they see not a mountain. They see a little hair on the floor. But they didn't overcome it, and they start crying. Why are they crying? They said, "Look, we couldn't even overcome." A little bit of mitzvot that I gave, Hashem gave us nothing, so now we're doomed. We're all going again home. What are we going to do? No more tshuva in Shemaim. So Rabbi Yisrael Misalant expands on it. And he says, what's the, what's the real difference here? What's the real difference? He says, it's the amount of care that a person, you, like, you know, much like actually having some sense of care. What is Hashem looking for, really? He's looking for you to care. To just care a little bit. Like, put a little bit of effort into it and care a little bit. That tzaddik, he cared about the small mitzvot just like he did the big mitzvot. 
He didn't distinguish this is big, this is small, this is Shabbat, this is Netilat Edayim. He didn't distinguish. He said everything Hashem says and his rabbis say, everything is important, I'm taking everything. So when he arrives to Allah Abba, he has a mountain. Big mitzvot, small mitzvot, everything add up, he's got a bunch. He's got great stuff. He's got a collection. Why? Everything. He did everything he could. Whatever he knew, he did. He arrives, he cries, look at how much I have. I couldn't believe it. I thought Shabbat was important. I didn't know that the was important. I thought learning Torah was important. I didn't know that giving, uh, you know, tzedakah is important. I thought giving tzedakah is important. I didn't know that it's important for me to give it specifically for the cause of this, this, and this. I didn't know. So he sees now I have a mountain of reward. Oh Hashem, look at that. Look how gracious Hashem is to me. The Rasha, on the other hand, he starts crying as soon as he sees his non-mountain. Why? He says, it all started when I stopped caring about the small mitzvot. He said, nah, no, come on, Hashem doesn't really care if I wash my hands or not. Oh, no, no, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. I'll do it later, and then later is the next day. Ah, no, praying mincha, Hashem, I already prayed, it's enough for you. You don't need me to pray three times a day. One time a day is enough. As soon as I stopped doing the small, what I thought was a small mitzvot, little by little, it opened up the door for me not doing the big mitzvot. And now that they arrive in this olam haba, nothing. Why? They became complete reshaim. So Rabbi Yisrael is saying, all Hashem wants for you to care about all of His mitzvot. That's why every time He mentions His mitzvot, He says, Kol mitzvot, all of them. There's no such thing as being a half a Jew. There's no such thing as being half religious. Especially at times when there's judgment. Whether it be the end of days because the Mashiach is about to arrive, or it's Yom Kippur, or it's the day before Hashem decides to take back the Neshama that He gave you, Whatever it is, judgment day, you're going to want to make sure you got everything. You're going to want to make sure you have everything. You have as much as you could possibly get your hands on. And that's, that's the biggest thing that people, Mamash, are failing to understand. Yeah. Yes, you're supposed to look up a svarim. If it depends what type of decision. If it's a basic decision that you know, obviously you looked at a svarim, then yes, it's good. But you have to make sure that you understand it correctly. So that's where the rabbi comes in. If you understand it correctly, ashrecha, good for you. But if it's a big decision that could potentially wait, that could wait, it's not a pressing issue. If it's something you have to do right now, you need a decision, life or death, right now. For example, someone came to me few months ago, Shabbat evening, 10.30 at night, Friday night. My parents are visiting. Someone knocks on my door at 10.30 at night, and uh, I open the door. I mean, uh, it's very strange. Somebody, I open, I see my neighbor, and they have, uh, they're in shock. And I say, okay, how can I help you? You want to come in? He goes, no, 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 we want to know if, 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 if we're allowed to take him to the hospital. And I open the door a little further, and I see that their son, a little two-year-old son, 
has blood all over his face and a couple of holes. And uh, the dog bit him in his face. Two-year-old kid, dog bit him in his face. And uh, now I said, well, I didn't know that the dog bit him in his face. I said, yeah, I mean, this looks really bad. I'm like, I asked him, what happened? What happened? And they said, well, the dog bit him in the face. I said, oh, if the dog bit him in the face, you have to take him to the hospital. You have to take him to the hospital. Now, I remembered it from a halakha uh, that I read in uh, Yalkut Yosef, where if someone was bitten by a uh, snake or a dog, then it's considered pikuach nefesh by default. By default, dog or, or snake is by default pikuach nefesh. But I could have said, wait a second, let me make sure that I read it right and go back to the book and open the books and find it and 20 minutes later come back to them and say, oh yeah, I was right. Here, look, it's in here. But I made a decision on the spot and said, yes, you have to take him to the hospital, call 911, take whatever. Point is, pikuach nefesh. Why? It's a pressing issue. It's pikuach nefesh. Pressing issue, you go. On the other hand, if it's a uh and took him to the hospital and everything turned out okay. On the other hand, if it's something like uh you know uh I don't know, something else that's not pressing. Something like um I don't know, does the fast uh, or does a what's it called someone allowed to wear uh this tzitzit versus this tzitzit, or someone is allowed to do this mean ag over that mean ag, whatever, something that can wait then it's better that you double-check with a Rav. Like, read the Mishnah Rav, read what it says, and double-check the next day, or whatever, whenever you get a chance, double-check. It's better to double-check. Unless you are, you've learned it and you're 100% sure that you understand what's being said. But in general, it's always good to double-check. i tell you, I tell you one thing. There's something called Emunat Chachamim. Emunat Chachamim. Um, and... Uh, when you have a chacham in your life, you have a real rabbi in your life, it's a chacham, sometimes the things that they say doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense at all. But having faith in this chacham has special merits. So, I'll give you an example. The, uh, there was one time a guy that, uh, for whatever reason or another, every time he would eat, Something happened every time he would eat. Uh, he would get really tired and so on. Just lose all of his energy right away. And uh, so he tried to eat lighter. So instead of, you know, he tried to eat a little bit less and so on. But every time he would eat, whether it be chicken or it be candy or whatever he gets, really, really tired. And it just frustrated him because it got in the way of his studying and so on and so forth. So one day his rabbi tells him, listen... I want you to eat red meat today. It's like, no, no. Kodarav, I'm already having problems with chicken. I'm already having problems with a donut. I'm already having problems with a cookie. I eat a little cookie, I go to sleep. I get really tired. I'm not focused and so on. I'm pretty much starting to fast every day. You tell me to eat a steak in the middle of the day. I mean, even if I wasn't sick, I would already make me tired. He says, no, no, just eat, eat red meat. Even if you don't like it, eat it. Does that make sense to you? Doesn't make sense, right? Hashem is my witness. He ate it. Became healthy. Why? 
only between him and Hashem. He ate it, everything was fine. Not tired, not, not only not tired, wired. Great. Feels great. So there's something called Emunat Chachamim. You have a real rabbi that you're connected to. You're going to learn certain things that are beyond the scope of just simple halacha or simple understanding and so on. But that's why it's important to really know who you're dealing with, who's the rabbi, why, who, what, and when. But also it's important to know that sometimes they're going to tell you to do something and you're not necessarily going to understand it or agree with it. But that's the point of being, you know, being connected to a rav. It doesn't matter if you agree. It doesn't matter if you understand. That's the point. He's the rav. He's the rav for a reason. If you're looking for someone to debate, that's a chavuta. That's someone that you're studying with. But if, if you have a rav, you're a rabbi, he says you do. Gemara says you're supposed to fear a rabbi like you fear God. In this generation, that, that law somehow got lost somewhere. People don't believe in such a thing. They make fun of their rabbi sometimes. So they lose out. They lose out because of this. I tell you this. The real Chachamim are not looking for honor. The real Chachamim are looking for truth. Uh, Rabbi Ephraim, he tells me that uh, his Rav, when he was a kid, maybe 16 years old, they were in uh, the yeshiva, and he was considered, Baruch Hashem, already a... Uh, Talmit Chacham at a very young age. So they asked him, and they asked the guys at the yeshiva asked him a question, some halachic question. And he said the answer based on his learning. He said the answer. And then they asked the head rabbi. Head rabbi was a giant. Not a head of head rabbi of this yeshiva was a giant, not a regular rabbi. Big, tzaddik, kadosh, well-known Talmit uh, Chacham. And they asked the rabbi, and the rabbi said, no, it, it's, uh, it's the opposite of what Rabbi Ephraim says. 16-year-old says one thing. His rabbi, 70-something years old, says the exact opposite. So the rabbi found out that Ephraim, at that time he's Ephraim, not Rabbi Ephraim, said the opposite. And he comes to him, he goes, wait, how did you, you got the opposite answer from him. He goes, yeah, based on what I learned, da, 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 and he gives him the reason. There's people there. There's little kids there. They see 70-year-old giant rabbi, one of the giants, comes to the 16-year-old uh, little chupchik, and he says, and the little guy is saying, no, I learned that, 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 And the rabbi says, you know, I'll check. I'll check. Today, little 16-year-old says something to his uh, rabbi that's 22 years old, that he's wrong, get out of the class. You have one of the giants, 70-something years old. He's old enough to be his great-great-grandfather. He says, I'll check. The next day, he made sure to come to the yeshiva, the rabbi. He says in front of everyone, you are right. You're right. 16-year-old little kid, you are right. He could have easily done it in private. He says, listen, by the way, you're right. Could send him a, I don't know, a little note in front of everybody. You are right. What you said is right. Why? Because a real chacham, a real chacham is not looking for credit. He's not looking for honor. He's not looking for kavod. He's looking for emit. He's looking for truth. So if you are fortunate enough to find such a person, whether you understand them or not is irrelevant. 
Just do what he says. Why? It's for your own benefit. It's for your own benefit. I tell you that this has been the biggest, mamash, the, the, the biggest uh, uh, reward that we got in this world from my wife and I is to have Rabbi Ephraim, to have Rabbi Mizrahi, to have people that are mamash, people that you can rely on because they have Yirat Shamayim, they're serious people, they love Hashem, and they go with the truth. There's no uh, hidden agendas. 